0: Father's Day comes and goes, and you know, many of us had uh, what could be a good relationship with our Father, maybe some of us had a negative relationship with our Father, but we do know one thing, the goodness of our Father in heaven, right, who loves us so much uh, that he would do whatever he could do uh, to be in relationship with us. So again, welcome and thank you so much. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm one of the teachers here. And if you've been with us over the last three or four weeks or so, you've uh, been with us in our series called "The Churches Left the Building." And so we're in week four of that series today. Uh, and just kind of a brief recap of what we've talked about. Uh, we've been talking about the essentials uh, of the church, of what really started the beginning of God's church in Acts in the in the first or. In Acts Acts, all the way through Acts. And so uh, some of the things that we've talked about, if you remember week one, we talked about the essential message, uh, right, which is that Jesus saves, that Jesus came to this earth, that he lived the life that we couldn't do, he paid the penalty for our sin, and he died on the cross, and he ascended into heaven uh, to the right hand of the Father, and because of that, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so then, we heard about the essential mission in week two, right, so then it's our responsibility, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, to engage in mission. Jesus, before he went to heaven, said, I want you to go out and to be my witnesses. I want you to tell people about me. If you are a follower of me, I want you to engage in the mission, and I want you to go and make disciples. Uh, last week, we talked about the essential foundation, uh, which is the word of God, right? Everything that we do, our life, we find out what pleases God, and we do it based in his word, his directive for us. And today, uh, we are going to be speaking about the essential power of the church. We're going to be talking about. The Holy Spirit. Now, I want to start out today by asking Have you ever started something that maybe you didn't feel like you could finish? Maybe you got into a project that just seemed impossible, or, or maybe you didn't even start because you felt inadequate, you didn't feel equipped, you didn't feel like you could do it, and you just say, Man, this is super impossible. Well, I know for me, I've said that a lot, and then I think of a guy like Nick Vujicic. Anybody know that name? He's a guy who was born in 1982 with no medical condition during the pregnancy at all, and he was born without any arms and legs. I mean, and then you think of, like, doing life in the impossible, right? I mean, imagine not having the essentials to be able to eat and to embrace loved ones and to, to, to do normal things in life, and he's doing those things that are impossible. In fact, he's married, he has two kids, uh, he has hobbies, he golfs. I mean, I mean, seriously, all of these things, but it's not just because of his physical power, so if you know Nick, he's actually an evangelist, and what he does is he goes and he tells people all over the world about Jesus. And one of, the, one of the quotes that has always stood with me about him is he said, I don't need the power of my hands and feet, or the power of arms and legs. He says, I only need the power of Jesus, <laughs> I mean, that's perspective, isn't it? That's, that's a perspective, and so when we begin to think of the impossible, we need to recognize that we have something, if we are followers of Christ, that other people don't have. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about that today. Would you pray with me? God, I ask that you would open up our hearts to receive from your word. God, show us how powerful your presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit in us as Christ followers and what it means for us, Lord Jesus. Speak to us through your word, in your name we pray, amen. Okay, so we're going to be hanging out in the, uh, the second chapter of Acts. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. You've got your Bible apps. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And the first thing that I want us to see today is this, is that the essential mission, right? That was week two what we talked about, which is to go and make disciples, to go and start the church. The essential mission is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, you might be thinking, well, why don't we talk about the Holy Spirit week one? Well, we we could have, (laughs) because it's true that none of this is possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now, uh, everything that we've heard, some of these essentials, they all depend on the Holy Spirit. And listen, there is no doubt that the disciples, that Jesus' followers were nervous, There is no doubt that Jesus, uh, when he tells them, I'm going to use you to be a movement, to start the church, to tell people about me, there is no doubt that they were nervous. But here's the thing, they, they, they thought that they were on Mission Impossible, but God was going to use them to do the impossible. You know, remember when Jesus, uh, shortly before he went to heaven, right, he, he promised them something. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, if you were with us a couple weeks ago, if you weren't, it says that you will receive power and then you will go out and make disciples. So he's promising them and he actually throughout his life taught them about this. And You see in John uh, chapter 16 where Jesus promised a helper. A helper would come to them. We see right before he ascended into heaven in the latter parts of Luke in chapter 24 where he said to them, I am going to be with you. And so everything that we've read up to this point in Acts is right here. And so his disciples had spent some 40 days with Jesus. He had talked to them about the mission. He had told them what was going to come. All of these things have happened. And so what he said to them, which is so funny, is he said, wait, (laughs) wait. All of these things that I'm telling you, I just want you to be patient because something's coming for you. And so can you begin to imagine like what it's like waiting in anticipation for something? You know, just waiting and and thinking like what's going to happen? I just watched Jesus float up to heaven and like he's telling me to wait and and he's going to use me to do something crazy. And so here is the moment that they've been waiting for. Uh, any movie fans in here? You guys like movies? It's just, oh, just me. Okay, there's two of us. Great. Yeah, we like movies. I've been watching Netflix during COVID. It's been the best thing ever, right? Been nothing else but Netflix. But here, I'm an action-packed, uh, you know, kind of like a, an action movie fan. And so when you're watching movies, a good movie writer from the very beginning will get you captivated. And, and you will be waiting for what? For the climax of the movie to happen. Well, here is that moment, and so in anticipation, they're waiting for this. And so hold on, because here we go on the greatest action film you've ever seen or read about. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Let's talk about action, right? It goes on to say that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So here we are. Here is the climax. Here is the promise. This is what Jesus said would come. And isn't this, I mean, just begin to imagine what this might have looked like here. You know, uh, just so you have a kind of a context of what's happening, the, the day of Pentecost was one of three Jewish festivals that that they would remember. And so Pentecost, Pente means 50, so 50 days after the Passover celebration, they would do what's called the Day of Pentecost. And so they would remember, they would remember God. And so here they are in reverence, they're waiting in anticipation, they're definitely praying, and there's a lot of people there. It's not just the disciples, it's people from all over, so there's a lot of Jewish people there. And so they're waiting and, and remembering And so here we have the disciples and some of his followers waiting, and their prayers, the things that they're praying about, are about ready to be answered in a way that I don't think any of them could begin to imagine. It's this miraculous event, and so they're waiting, and they see this, and this event happens, and... And I, I think that, I mean, just, just for a moment, it was more than just, like, fast-tracking Rosetta Stone and, like, speaking another language here. Like, this was, like, languages that they didn't know and they've never spoken before. And, and they're speaking in those languages, and so that, that's cool, right? Like, that's kind of a cool thing. But then begin to imagine uh, the other things that are going on. The Bible says that it came in like a, a mighty wind from heaven. And so people, uh, many Bible scholars would say that the, this is something similar to what you would hear as the powerful force of a tornado. And so they're sitting here praying, and this sound comes in, and it's this mighty wind. And, and what would you do? I'd run, right? Run away. Run to the hills as fast as I can. But then, not only that... Uh, They're probably thinking, man, the power of God, it's here. And then you you open your eyes and you're looking around and literally flames are over your buddy's heads. Like, uh, this is crazy. This is the the craziest thing that you could even begin to imagine. And you know what I think? I think, yeah, they were afraid. There there was some fear there. There was some doubt. But I, I think that they were thinking, oh my gosh, here is the promise that Jesus said would come. And when I see fire, uh, they would remember fire representing the power of God. Because do you remember uh, when, when God spoke to Moses, it came in the form of what? A burning bush. Fire consumed. What happened when he led them out of Egypt? Out of the Exodus? What did he do? He protected them by what? Fire And he led them at night, and he illuminated their path. And so here they're thinking, this is the very presence of God resting over us. I am now going to have God in me. Now listen, I don't know about you, but this would have freaked me out. (laughs) Crazy. But here's the thing. I I think what's interesting is that these disciples were with him, and Jesus did some pretty crazy things, didn't he? He healed people. He, he raised the dead to life, he, he healed those who were sick, he made the blind see, and they watched him do that. And now here, they, they are remembering all of those things, but not only that, but they remember just some 43 days before, <clears throat> they watched him murdered, right before their eyes. And they mourned, and they grieved, and they were confused, and they were upset, and they went to see the tomb, and to remember him, and what happened? He wasn't there. And so now there's confusion. Where is he? And then what does he do? He shows up. It's like these are the days of our lives, right? Have anybody seen that soap opera? Like this is what's going on. And not only did he show up, but then he left them again. And now he's returning again through the power of the Holy Spirit. I get goosebumps just thinking about what this would have been like. But you see, this was more than just a miraculous event. This was the beginning of the greatest calling the greatest empowering movement this is being called to mission and this is god saying i am now with you and nothing will be impossible nothing will be impossible me in you will start the movement of this church and now here is the time for that to begin now you might be like me and you're thinking well I have a tendency to be a little bit selfish. Like, if if I have things, I want them for me, right? If it's mine, I'm gonna take care of it. It's me. We love me some me, right? I'm I'm my biggest fan. And I can only imagine them being like, you know what? We just went through all of that and now God is with us. I'm gonna keep this to myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start speaking with my cronies in a different language, right? Because I can, I'm sophisticated now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take this and God's now with me and, and, and I, I don't want to go rock the boat. I don't want to go tell people about God. I'm just going to just keep it all here. But remember, Jesus said, no, that's not what this is about. This is about going out and telling not just Judea and Samaria, but what? All of the nations about me. And this is going to be For everyone. And see, that leads us to our second point, is that the essential power isn't just for some. It's for all who believe. You see, the the Holy Spirit isn't just for the religious elite. It's not just for those uh, those who think they're better, who have done the right things, or have said the right things, who have lived a good enough life. It's none of those things. The Holy Spirit is for those who put their faith in Jesus, who believe in the essential mission, and engage, a message, and engage in the essential mission. Now, here's why this is important because remember, Jesus said he was going to empower them to reach where? All of the nations, right? And here's where we see this happening. This is in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 5. It says this It says, there we go. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from, listen to this, from where? Under every nation, or every nation under heaven. And so here we see that. We see the promise of that fulfilling. So we have a lot of Jews that are there, and they're representing all kinds of different areas. And it goes on to say this. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language being spoken. That's pretty cool. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, like these guys? Like how do they know our languages, our dialects, our sophistication? How do they all of a sudden know this? And so they're piquing their interest. It says, then, how is it that each of us hears them in our own language? Uh, I, I'm not going to read all of this, but let's just say it's every nation. There's a lot of like crazy names in here. This is about the Bible. Like it asks us to say like Phrygia and Pamphylia and all of these things. But basically what he's saying is all of these nations are represented. And it says at the very end in verse 11, it says, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. And it says amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean. Now, this movie isn't just an action movie. I want you to read this. It's also a comedy. It says, somehow we were made fun of them and said they've had too much wine, right? Like, so, so surely something weird's going on here, right? They may be speaking our language, but this is kind of crazy. But here, here's what happened. So the, the power of the Holy Spirit shows up in this miraculous way, and what we see is that power come through in boldness, in fact, it comes through in a voice, it comes through with communication, and it wasn't just one voice, it was every dialect, it was every voice was being spoken, was everyone who was represented, all nations under heaven, and that voice was so attractive that people started to take place, or to, to perk up, wait, what, that's my language, like, how are they speaking my language? And, and, and you know, not only is, are they speaking my language, but they're Galileans, like, they're those guys. And, and, and people start to listen, so what does this mean? These disciples, these misfits, the tax collector, like all of these people that no one would, would even be educated enough to speak my language, they're boldly declaring this message, and it's attractive. And the Bible says the result of that, the result of God in them and through them, he said, it left them amazed. And they said, what does this mean? You see, what this means is, the Spirit isn't just for some, it's for everyone. Jesus Christ wants a relationship with every single person. He's not saying this is just for those disciples, it's just for those uh, you know, elite, it's not just for the Jews. In fact, he's gonna go on, and it's gonna be for the Gentiles too. We'll read about that in Acts chapter 10 but here's what happened. Here's the, their chance to 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 let the Holy Spirit use them and to engage in the mi- mission that God's called them to do. And so what are they going to do? Are they going to keep it to themselves? Are they going to not rock the boat? Are they not going to stand up uh, a high school young person and say, listen, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to believe in God and my act of faith is going to show people that there's something different in me. You know, at work, am I going to stand up for what's right? Am I not going to give in? I'm not going to talk about my boss that way. I'm not going to do these things. You know, like, what are they going to do when the moment comes where they have the opportunity to run or to not rock the boat or to not stand up for what's right what do they do well what they do is they engage through the power of the holy spirit in mission and we read about it peter stands up boldly The bible says he boldly stands up and i think that boldness comes now with this new passion this new fire to tell people about the goodness of god He said he stood up with the eleven, he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. And he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. We're going to continue the comedy. He says, listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, right? He's saying, come around about five o'clock, that might be a valid argument, right? Five o'clock somewhere. But he's saying, it's nine o'clock. They're not drunk, Instead he goes, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now just listen, this, this is what's cool about this, is that remember last week we talked about the essential foundation, which was the word of God? You see, this wasn't just thought up things. They were remembering what they learned from the word of God. And so they had the Old Testament. And so what he does is he quotes from Joel. If you go all the way back to Joel chapter 2, you'll see that he's, Peter is declaring the word of God. That The word of God that's powerful, that he knows that God can use. And so not only is he using the the Holy Spirit, but he's using the foundation. He's using God's word. And he says this. Now, uh, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't say people will start speaking in your language when they've never spoken your language before. And he says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. You see, what he's doing is he's showing them that prophecy is now fulfilled That what was said in God's word is now fulfilled. Because listen, there's only one book that says this is what's going to happen in the future and it happens. And you know what, the Bible is that one book that has done it more than anything in this world. There's power in God's word and he says this is what's going to happen. And listen, here he is, he takes it upon him and he remembers, he remembers the mission and he remembers the message. He says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Will be saved. (laughs) It's for everybody. All of you that are here, the things that you're seeing, the miraculous, the fire, the wind, the language, it is here and this is God. Now what will you do with that information? He said, I'm going to give you this. What will you do? And so Peter reinterprets the message and what he's saying is that salvation now comes for all who call upon the name of the Lord. You know, not just the Jews, not just the elite, but also the Gentiles. Every nation under heaven. But you see, what he was saying here was something more more powerful than just just the the force of wind and fire and the miraculous. What he was saying, he's saying now the personal presence of God is in you. Oh, he's in you. And you know why this, this would have been shocking to them? Because, listen, the Jews know that, that God would come upon his people in the form of a prophet. He would, uh, you know, come. There had to be rituals and routines. The only time a, a prophet could be in the presence of God is if he was without sin and made pure. And so they had to do sacrifices. They had to do it repeatedly. All of the sins of the people it had to be accounted for. And it was a routine over and over and over and over again. And what he's saying now, what he's saying to them, and this is what would be so shocking to them, he's saying now the presence of God that your ancestors had to go into a prophet, in fact, they had to tie a rope around the prophet's leg because if he wasn't holy enough, the presence of God would strike him dead in his temple and they would drag his dead body out. That same God that's powerful and mighty that maybe you've been fearful of, he can now reside in you. And that power that he has is not going to be to harm you. It's going to to fill you and give you boldness and a voice to stand up in high school, to stand up at work, to tell people about Jesus, to lead your family, to lead the lost to Jesus Christ. That's the power that you have in you. The very presence of God is no longer coming through a prophet. It's no longer coming through routines or rituals. It's now in you for those who believe. That same power that, that defeated death, that raised Christ from the grave, is now in you. Now go and make disciples. The fulfillment of this prophecy right here, Peter's prophecy, in just about an hour or maybe two hours later, scholars would say, comes to fruition. In verse 41, we see that 3,000 people, 3,000 Jews gave their life to Christ that day. And you know what happened? It didn't just stay there. It wasn't just a big party because, listen, you remember, every nation under heaven was represented. So what do people do? They come to celebrate and they what? They go back home. And there is no doubt that what they experienced, life change, was going to impact the world around them. It's the personal presence of God in us. The Holy Spirit would now be with them in everything that they do. And that leads us to our last point. And you might be saying, well, this is a really cool story, right? This is that action film. I told you it would be. But this is what happens at the very end. I think this is our last point. I may have lost it here. The power of the Holy Spirit, not only is it just for that, but it's essential for every part of our lives, even today, If you are a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit is essential for our lives. You know, I think we oftentimes read the Bible and we're amazed by these awesome stories. Oh my gosh, what would it have been like to be there, to see all of these things that have happened? But we read these stories and say, that's pretty cool, but then we just skip on. Some of us may not even read the stories at all, I don't know. But you know, there's more to just the story, Because if you begin to understand this story, you begin to understand that God is going to do something in you. He's going to make the old new. He's going to make what was once dead. He's going to bring it to life spiritually. And so now you have this new life. The Bible says that when you accept Christ into your heart, you become a new creation. You become a new person in God. All of your sins have been cleansed. All of, all of your shame and guilt, all of those things are no more because now you are a representative of Christ. He, you are literally the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what happens is it now begins, when God resides in you, believer, when God resides in you, it changes everything about you. It impacts every part of your life. In fact, Galatians 5, 24-35 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He says, listen, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. What does that say? The, the, the things that used to drive our desires, our thoughts and our desires and the addictions and the sin and, and all of those things, that, that's the only thing we knew. Those things begin to change Because now God is in us, and and those thoughts turn from sinful thoughts to thoughts of the fruits of the Spirit, which is joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, like all of those things, and it begins to impact every part of our life. And so that naturally reaches out, and it impacts our relationships. It impacts our marriages. It impacts our work relationships, our, our school relationships. It impacts everything. It helps us defeat anxiety and fear and worry and doubt, it helps us defeat addiction and all of these things because now we are called and we are made new and we are in step with and in mission with the creator of heaven and earth. It impacts every part of our life. And the things that seemed impossible are now now possible with God. Because listen, with man, the Bible says that things are impossible. But with God, all things, not some, not most, all things, Things are possible. You know, I I don't know what you're going through in your life. You could be living on cloud nine, but maybe you're struggling. Maybe it's a a relationship. Maybe it's an addiction. You know, my hope and prayer is that God would show you that he loves you, that he cares about you, that he's not looking at you with condemning eyes. But what he's saying is, is that I will make you new. And so it impacts every part of our lives. I mean, we love God. We find out more about who he is, and, and we do those things. And then it just doesn't start personally. It also goes into mission, into message. We begin to love God more, and then we love others. We make disciples. We, we do what God asks us to do. It means that we begin to pray bold prayers. God, would you use me at work, at school, in my life, with my spouse, God, and my family? Would you use me, God? Would you help me lead better? Would you help me do what's right And begin to pray these bold prayers. And listen, when you pray bold prayers, the power of the Holy Spirit who is interceding for you in the presence of God, he's going to answer those prayers. We see it in Acts chapter four. It says after they prayed, when they prayed these bold prayers, the place began to shake. Now it's an earthquake. It's the power of God. And it says that they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out and they spoke the word of God boldly. He will answer those prayers. And it's not just that. It then is like, how, how, what do I do then? What, what do I do? What do I do in my church? What do I do here? Am I just a, a spectator, a consumer? I believe that you're not. I believe that God is going to use you, and he has gifts. Every single one of us have gifts in the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, it says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Again, the Holy Spirit There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. It says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means that you get plugged in at church. That means that you serve at church. That means that you help kids pursue God. It means that God has equipped you and gifted you not only to be his hands and feet out there but also to be his hands and feet in here because listen, when God is in you, it impacts your personal life, it impacts your, your spiritual life and it impacts how you serve. Everything about us is impacted by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is saying that you have the power to be on missions. Now look, there might be people in this room today that you're visiting or maybe you don't know God, this is for you. God says, I love you so much that I know everything about you. I never know every moment of your day. I know every hair on your head. I know everything about you. And I know that today you would be here and that you would hear that I love you as a father loves you, that I don't look at you and condemn you. I want to change you. I want to enter into your life. I want to be the Lord of your life. And I want to change your world. And I want to change your world through my presence in you. And so if you're here today and you've never done that, let God change your life. It's a free gift. He did it for you. He gave his life for you so that your chasm, your separation from God, that sin could be made new because of what he did on the cross for you. Please do not go away without experiencing not only that life change here on earth, but also your eternity. And for those of you who have done that, Listen, it's amazing to think that God now resides in us and that with the same power uh, that created, that spoke the world into existence, that knows every star and every galaxy, that same God lives in you. And if it's just coming to church and checking out the boxes, if it's just going through the motions, you've missed the mission. And I believe that God is saying, listen, I- I'm not angry, but I'm going to use you. And so it might might come in different ways, shapes, or forms. It might actually be difficult for you before we can get to where we need to go. But I'm gonna use you, and I'm gonna use my presence in you to do the impossible. You know, uh, Nick Vujicic, he said there's only one thing better than going to heaven. Listen to this. There's only one thing better than going to heaven, and that's to encourage at least one other person to go with me. wow. See, that's not personal perspective. That's perspective of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to understand that it's ours, but it's also for other people. Would you give that to as many people as you can? Let's pray. God, thank you for your love for us, your kindness, your goodness. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your presence daily in our lives, God. Thank you that I can... Uh, even though I may be fearful or worried, even though I might be going through something, God, that seems impossible to overcome, God, nothing is impossible with you with the power of your spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, through that love and that grace, would you begin to minister spiritually and and, uh, by your spirit to those who need to hear from you today in a new, fresh way, God. And for those that you have brought in here that have been struggling, that have been going through things that are above them and beyond them and things that they don't think that they can handle, God, would you show them that you are here, you're in the midst of it, and you're ready for them to call on you. For those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And for those who are in Christ, Jesus has the power to change the world. Let us believe and live in that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.